everybody, and welcome back to the Games I Guess podcast. This is Games I Guess episode 6 for Thursday, September 1st, 2022. My name is Casey Tig, and joining me, of course, as always, Ian McCammon. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. I'm here. <laughs> and ready to one, go. One day, man, it's going to come so naturally. So when I say your name, you're just going to be like, what's up? But I, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll have to live. What episode was that when you went on your little tangent? I, uh, episode two? <laughs> yeah, I think it was two. <laughs> Uh, that that goes down as one of our best. Uh, and Josh, welcome back, man. Uh, what 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 a great in. intro. We so, gotta uh, bring in the the air horn. We we aren't legit until we do. And one of these days we'll get a soundboard. If I could ever manage even just the basic music volume, maybe I could throw in some soundboards or one of you guys could even take soundboard duty but that could become obnoxious <laughs> so i don't know i just imagine josh think, with his hand on the button just i'm gonna get a hold josh is the only one qualified to take on soundboard duty i'm gonna get a whole dj set up and it was <laughs> 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 uh, good lord uh games i guess is available wherever you get your podcasts at spotify apple amazon google stitcher and more don't forget, you can find the video version of the show later in the week on the Wizfish YouTube channel. And wherever you get the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, drop reviews and comments. All that stuff really helps. And uh, from all of us here, thanks uh, thanks for listening, of course. Um, so what are we playing? Uh, Josh usually goes first. Let's make Ian go first. Oh, God. I'm not <laughs> ready. Um, Got him. Yeah, so what what am I playing uh, this week? I played a... Uh, He's legitimately asking himself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I have to run through it. So I, I, I played a, a game uh, called We Were Here, which you mm-hmm. guys also played. Yeah. I played it with our, our friend Jenny and uh, then recommended that you guys play it together, uh, a recommendation which was one of the best ideas I've had in a long time. Um, was it was it really that entertaining? I thought it was hilarious. Okay. Yeah, the whole time it was <laughs> it was great for me. Um, for anybody who's not familiar with uh, the We Were Here series, they are. I, I can't actually speak much about the series. I can only speak about the first game. It's the only one I've played so far. It's free, and it is a co-op puzzler uh, that's designed around the two players being separated and having to communicate with each other. Uh, so one person is called the librarian, and they're in sort of a, a suite of rooms that has uh, access to a variety of clues. The clues don't really make sense until the other player, who's the explorer, is making their way through this castle, uh, sort of conveys what they're seeing. And then together they have to interpret the the, the clues and, and uh, solve the puzzle. And it creates a really interesting dynamic. Uh, I, I had a, a, a real blast of the game. The first one is a little a little buggy, but again, it's free. So, like, what are you gonna do? Um, yeah, like I, I have said that I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I, bitch. I've paid actual money for games that sucked way more than this ever could have. Uh, so, <laughs> for a free experience, if you have like I don't know a small friend group, grab one of them and and play it. It, it was a good time. Um, although it does kind of take basically the quintessential Destiny raid mechanic and make an entire <laughs> game about it if you think about it 
Yeah, I know. It's, it does Destiny definitely should, Destiny philosophy. should just switch to that. That's what they should do. They should just become a, a puzzle game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Puzzler. Hey, man. I mean... I'd still play it. Yeah, to be, to <laughs> I, be, I would play it. To be fair, Destiny's best content, in my opinion, is all content that involves puzzles. Puzzles and mechanics, yeah. Yeah. For sure. We were here. Any highlights? Oh, well, I guess we don't want to spoil it for people who... Yeah, I don't want, do. I don't want to spoil it, but they're... If you, you know, play it with somebody who gets anxious easily and make them be the, uh, <laughs> because he was a little explorer. bitch. That's all I can say. <laughs> 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 well, no, well, Ian approached me about this kind of in secret and he was telling me about how the explorer, you know, Josh would really, it would really work. You guys, for have, Josh. <laughs> you guys, you guys have late night secret meetings about how to terrorize me. <laughs> Well, oh, absolutely. Uh, podcast, I can't believe this surprises you. This podcast has basically become that, hasn't it? <laughs> like on some level. Um, Just last time it happened to be. We should change the you know, name. Josh must die. On the receiving end. <laughs> Josh must die. But no, he yeah. said that you know the Explorer would really work for Josh. I think. Um, so I went into it all confident, and then there was this one part where I was just not prepared. And I had a little moment, but ultimately it all worked out. Um, I would say that the librarian probably sees the, because I don't know. I haven't seen what Josh got to see, but what I got to see was pretty underwhelming. It was mostly just look, you know, walking around one room um, as the librarian. But I'm intrigued I, enough I to, room to room. yeah, like you actually got to, like you got, like there was some scary stuff happening and. I didn't get well, any of that. But but according to what I've read is that the uh the, the sequels it seems to be more leveled yeah. out and as far as like interaction goes, larger like, scope and Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as the series goes, it basically they they've sold it for me. Like I'm I I want to buy them as soon as I can. I'm going to buy them. I didn't even um, know I owned them. So you should get it. <laughs> Yeah, if you're yeah. someone who frequents Humble Bundle or, you know, things like that, you may own them. Josh owned them. So, Apparently. check that out. Was that the only game yeah. you wanted to talk about, or was there... No, there's another another one that I played. Uh, the, um, was a little game called The Abnormal Place by Berserker Games. I'm pretty sure I'm one of fewer than 100, possibly even fewer than 50 people played this game and really? it's a little bit of a shame yeah now i mean here's the thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out you know at its core it is a sort of obvious freshman effort from uh, a, uh you know a, a solo developer right and it has some serious jank to it and some and it's incredibly rough around the edges however it is a solid three-hour puzzle platforming collectathon experience with NPCs to interact with a large sort of metroidvania style world uh, to explore with a really distinctive visual style and a really nice original score as well um, it's just got so much heart and so much vibe that if you're like me and you can sort of look past uh, the production value shortcomings of these like super micro indie titles, and you're interested in some in some sort of super indie curiosities, 
should really check out uh, the abnormal place. Um, it is fifteen dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say that seems a bit high. Could be seen seen as steep for sure, but at the same time, you know, uh, is a multi-year, you know, on the part of of somebody. So maybe wait until it goes on sale. Uh, if if you're skeptical about it, uh, for me personally, uh, for the two hours that I got out of it, despite the you know janky stuff that I had to deal with, um, I'm I'm glad I bought it. I don't remember when I bought it, but <laughs> I bought it at some point. And what, uh, what compelled you to to boot it up? You know, out of all the things you've got to choose from. Well, I've been. I've been look. I look. It's right. First of all, it's right. At, it's called. You know, it's 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 uh, abnormal, a. right? So it's yeah. right at the start of my library. So anytime I'm scrolling through it, um, I've I've seen it uh, over the last you know few months. I keep right. thinking about it because it's got that sort of you know Tim Burtony, American McGee's Alice sort of Coraline thing going on uh, with its vibe. Um, and I like that shit, that sort of, uh, you know, whimsical you, horror stuff. So You always I, uh, seem to have, like, a soft spot for games with, with that jank in it, too. Uh, I do. It's part of the reason you like the Ice Pick Lodge, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, although, to be, to be fair, like, Eurojank, which is, like, a, a, a several steps, I think, above this. This is, like, you know, sort of, you know, first time making a full game unity dev kind of jank and that can be a little more trying although i was surprised that, you know when you when i was first getting into the game and controlling the character it it felt you know a little bit like driving a cinder block and i was not looking forward to uh experiencing what platforming was going to be like uh but the platforming was honestly pretty well balanced to the the awkward movement so i i didn't find myself really uh uh failing to uh, to platforming challenges too often. And even when I did, the autosave is so incredibly forgiving um, that no real progress was lost. There is also an option in the menu to disable all damage. So you can actually, I think, just play it so that it's a non-lethal, you know, no-fail state kind of game, I think. Um, I opted I not to do that. I appreciate when games do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Soma did that, and it actually it actually worked pretty well. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so again, you know, if you're willing to, to uh, on a limb for for a tiny developer and, and show somebody who's not getting a lot of uh, uh, visibility right now some love, uh, check out the abnormal place. Uh, I'm really interested to see what Berserker Interactive is going to do next, uh, just because the you know the guy's ideas are, are really interesting. Um, and his, his visual style is there. Uh, the other the other point that I'll make is, is that um, there is there there are interesting themes at play in the story, um, but they are really not forefronted uh, very well at all. Uh, and the story is not particularly structured in any in any way. And it sort of results in a a lot of the sort of exposition coming in at the very end, which is not great. But it's counterbalanced just by the charm and whimsy of the world and the characters that you do interact with. Um, so yeah, uh, it's worth a look if you're if you're interested in a in a curiosity. Well, the abnormal go. place is what Ian calls a sex dungeon. It is. 
Okay, Joshua. Got it, I got it on a on a on a wooden board above the door. <laughs> Abandon all hope, ye who enter the abnormal place. Home sweet home. Speaking of sex dungeons, you played It Takes Two this week. Yeah. <laughs> the Book of Love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it takes two. I've been playing that uh with my wife um on the PS5. And uh, it's a good game. I, I, I understand why... Uh, was it last year that it won Game of the Year at the Game Awards? It did, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was last year. I understand why it won. I don't know if I would necessarily, necessarily have voted that Game of the Year, but I could, I'm not upset that it won that, you know? Right. Um, and it really does take me back to like some of the couch co-op, which is kind of nice. And the puzzles are really well put together. Um the the one thing and maybe it's on purpose i guess is uh the the the, the parents the uh, you know the two the characters uh, characters yeah. that you play as in the game are fucking just annoying seems un- like like an understatement i don't know just they're they're insufferable to me uh <laughs> <laughs> and and not it's not even just like they're it's not their voices or anything like that it's just like the way they are and i guess that's kind of the point because in this uh the overarching story is you know two parents that are getting a divorce and it's affecting their kid and they just are completely self-absorbed and it drives me nuts i'm like how are you that obnoxious like (laughs) i think any any objective sort of third party looking in on the childish squabbles of a marriage uh yeah no i think you're probably supposed to feel that way it's not even like I don't know. I don't know if I want to say it because it, I don't know if it can, it's considered spoils. But there's yeah, one well, part that then, then, that then, uh, I'm not going to say it specifically. But there there is one part that uh, where they are just like completely, just complete assholes, not just to each other, but like to their kid. <laughs> and and uh, that's parenthood, though, isn't it? I guess. I don't know. Well, you also you wouldn't want you wouldn't want a, a you know a, a story that starts out where you know everybody's already perfect, right? Well, well this you is want this them is to start out sort of uh, shitty and then and then have to learn and grow as they undergo their journey together. This is deep in. I feel like they're running out of time to grow <laughs> in literal and metaphorical sense. Hey, man, Darth Vader. Darth Vader didn't didn't have his big moment until the very until luke was on the ground getting fucking electrocuted that's how long it took uh, spoilers yeah, yeah, come so on Ian. if you haven't seen that that movie from 1983 uh <laughs> hey guess there's no reason for you to see it now fucking ian ruined it <laughs> i know my kids were gonna watch that now I'm, I'm, I'm just in a mood because josh mentioned the uh the it takes two winning the game awards and that reminded me that Psychonauts 2 got no love at the Game Awards that year. And that did they not my get any? Blind did, rage. They got none whatsoever. Is that is that right? Nothing. They were nominated, I believe, for a bunch of things, but they didn't were. win anything. That was my, my game of the year that year. Yeah. For sure. Guardians so, of the Galaxy so won, won narrative, I nice believe, narrative. that yeah. year. Now, I've heard good point. things. I mean, I can't ju- I haven't that? played it. It's not a bad game. I have played it. I haven't finished it yet, though, because I don't finish games anymore. But um, they <laughs> it's not a bad a game. gaming podcast. But, like, in the sense that, you know, it's fun, and it's and, and the narrative is, is definitely serviceable at the very least. You know, it's, it's the same thing with, like, Marvel movies. 
you know, where is it going to match up to something like, say, the the lighthouse? You know, something a little bit more of. Oh man, are you giving me are you giving me the Scorsese not cinema argument right now? And, and, and I hate that argument, but in this case, I think it actually is is a little bit. You know, I actually looked at uh, I, I, no. Casey. You and I were talking about that. I, I you just cut out it. for a solid four yeah. seconds. What did you say? <laughs> no, you. Were oh, saying. I said we were we were talking the other day about that Scorsese quote. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what he said, so so I looked it up. Um, and uh, you know, here's the thing. Like, I I'm not I'm not don't really like to. I mean, there's a lot of low art, quote unquote, that I really like, right? So I don't like to dismiss things out of hand for low art you know, being low art or something like that. But uh, I, there was this other point that Scorsese made that I thought was was actually pretty sharp, which is that, you know, uh, what we demand out of our whatever narrative media um, is determined by what's available to us, right? So, so if these big companies uh, are able to sort of pump a whole lot of visibility into these things that are, that are thinner... Um, thematically or poetically or artistically, whatever you want to say, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or more formulaic or more more mainstream. That's what people see most of all. Then that's going to give us the impression that that's what people are sort of, that that's what they are inclined to like. Um, and, oh, it leads us to what we see in movies and games where it's like, oh, you know, the audience or the player base, they're like, you know, they're too stupid to figure stuff out, right? But this is something that's sort of proven to be false time and time again. I mean, we look at Elden Ring, you know, this past year that sort of came out and did this whole boot you out into a, a very difficult open world and people, you know, with minimal hand-holding and people really loved it and responded to it. And so the idea is that, well, if we put, you know, if, if, the, if the powers that be sort of push this stuff more, you know, I don't know. You don't have to put down again, finger quotes, low art to say that you could still elevate, you know, art overall by making really interesting stuff more visible. Here's the, here's the other thing, too, is that, that what he considers to be actual cinema oftentimes is just pandering on another level. It's, you know, they're just Oscar baiting. It's all is half the time with those artsy movies. Well, I don't know that, I don't know that Scorsese is necessarily an, an Oscar bait. I don't know about I, mean, I think Oscar bait is basically mainstream, you know, low substance cinema as well, right? Like he, you know, he definitely has like his pedigree is solid. Like he knows his his shit, right? Like he, uh, he has a knowledge of of independent and art house cinema going, you know, way back. And obviously his gangster movies are you know influenced by that stuff. Like I wouldn't call I think I think Goodfellas did win an Oscar, but I wouldn't call it Oscar bait, right? No, no, and I'm not saying that it was him specifically that's Oscar Bay. I'm just saying that what people consider to be the height of cinema for the year is oftentimes just Oscar bait. You know what I mean? It's it's there's stuff that gets nominated that's just made to be artsy and quote highbrow or whatever just for that that and it comes out at a specific time of year, you know, just for that. So I'm just saying you can't just shit on one side and not the other is what it felt like he was doing. Oh, no, certainly not. I, I, I would be surprised if uh, Scorsese had uh, a huge amount of love for the Academy Awards. But maybe. I don't know. For all I know, he, he, he signed that fucking petition to bring Roman Polanski. 
I'm going to hang up <laughs> on you and call you right back. I am? Okay. I'm back. Hopefully Ian's fixed at this point. All right, hold on. Uh, he, got, he got fixed a couple years ago. We can't have any more Ian's running around. <laughs> there's, I, there's nothing you can do. It's Discord, honestly. It's, it's just, oh, hopefully. Keep, hopefully it, better. I just turned off uh, uh, some of the noise suppression I had, so hopefully it's not uh, ruined. Yeah, anyway, I was off on a rant anyway. It's probably best that I... I was going to say, speaking of highbrow arts, Casey's got something fun. Oh, yeah. So you remember, uh, I forget exactly when it was. I think it was a couple episodes ago I mentioned <laughs> that that uh, s uh cheating spouse simulator well good news <laughs> fellas i got review code for it and uh i spent about one hour with it and this is a game trying to describe this where your character is it's all 2d you have no control over your character he's basically on a a conveyor um moving automatically at a pretty fast speed and your job is to click on things in the background um, to give you, I don't know, like you're looking for evidence so, so that you could successfully divorce your cheating spouse, which uh, it does let you name your cheating spouse, which I appreciated. I named mine uh, Deborah Jean. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, we all know Deborah's are cheating yeah, best. They're trouble. Uh, but it's also a strange game in the sense, like, even outside of all the weird shit already, it's it's told, not even told, I guess it's kind of focused through this strange, uh, like, South Korean lens, where it's using, you know, whatever the legal system for Korea is for marriage and, you know, getting evidence and hiring lawyers and presenting cases and not only is that shit that i do not know about but it's not um i guess delivered in the game itself in a way that makes someone like me you know that lives in the united states and maryland uh understand what's going on it doesn't really put me in the shoes very well so i always felt kind of separated from the uh and that's no pun intended, uh, but separated from sort of <laughs> jiving with the story. Uh, another thing is, uh, I don't know, it just, it seems extremely, and I hate to say, you know, negative things about, you know, tiny projects. It just felt very shallow to me. Um, like you're clicking on things, barely able to click on them because like you're moving so fast. Uh, and it's it gives like a, you like, it's yeah, like a ahead. visual novel. Mm, I wouldn't even call it that. Uh, basically you're on this treadmill that goes from your home, you walk through your home, then you leave your home, walk through the streets a little bit, walk to your job, collect your pay, walk through your building, walk through the streets again, walk back to your home. And on that track, there are clickable objects uh, that give you various things. Some might be, oh... Uh, check the mailbox and you're gonna you know you'll find a, a phone bill in there with, with a, who are the who's she talking to you know whatever um it's it's dave from state farm right and like so many of these clickables are uh are lore dumps which i appreciate that's fine but there's nothing to distinguish 
the lore dumps from things like making an actual attempt to like do some stealthy uh i don't know cuck shit <laughs> i don't know if i'm making any sense like uh, like, there's a computer, I clicked on the computer, and then all of a sudden, Deborah Jean's up in my ass. Like, you looking at my history? What the fuck you doing? I'm like, I just clicked on the thing because I could, woman. Like, relax. Her voice. That's her, yeah. That's what she sounds like. Um, but there's no way to differentiate. There's no way to differentiate whether you're, like, doing something with risk attached. Because there's a whole system behind, there's, like, a love system. Where, like, you have to balance how much your fucking spouse loves you. <laughs> and if they don't love you enough, then they'll just leave. And that's what ended up happening to me. Uh, there's many endings. Um, I got the escape ending, <laughs> which uh, basically means I come home one day and all her shit's gone. And she leaves no trace. Uh, it's just, I don't know. But she much. escaped you, but she's the she's, one that's yeah, cheating. Yeah, 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 exactly. She escaped me. <laughs> now, the only little mini game that I actually found um, is, like, when you both go to bed, because you kind of, you know, that's that's where the track, the conveyor belt, ends every day, is, like, going to bed with the spouse. And uh, while they're sleeping, their phone lights up in the room, and you can click on it. And there's this little mini game where you have to kind of, like, hold, basically, like, hold a click, release the click, hold a click, release the click, and it'll tell you on the screen. Um... But every fucking time, and I did it right. Like, I did what the game was telling me to do. Every time it failed, and she just got mad at me. And I had to come up with some excuse <laughs> why I was looking through her phone. Um, I was looking for some porn. <laughs> it was like, you were, your notifications were going off. They were waking me up. That's an actual excuse you can give. Um, so, I don't, yeah, it's a very strange game. Um, I will say that. Uh, I don't remember how much it is. I feel like it's expensive. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, it's seven dollars and nineteen cents U.S. That's on sale, ten percent off. So it's like eight bucks U.S. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure this game's for someone. Wasn't really for me. Uh, does it? Does it yeah. come off as like maybe the person who made it was uh, pulling from some personal experience? I mean, just really you, I mean, you almost have to, right? <laughs> I mean. Uh, it's I so know, specific. I like, it is, if it is, but like me. Right, no, but I would not be at all shocked or even mildly surprised if the person who made this was a South Korean man recently divorced. Like, that would not shock me at all. Uh, I guess that's one way to get it out of your system. Right. Have you guys uh, played, uh, or are you familiar with Catherine at all? I'm, I know I've of heard it. of it. What is yeah, there's there's something that sounds sort of spiritually similar to uh, Divorce Simulator in a certain way, but uh, based on how you're describing Divorce Simulator, I would venture to say that Catherine is a far superior game. Um, but you might want to check it out. Uh, Probably. Sort of, you know, vibe around Divorce Simulator was interesting enough. If you really want to feel like what it's like to get divorced, play Catherine. Well, I, honestly, I legitimately, from a narrative standpoint, I think divorce is an interesting uh, angle, and it's almost never covered in games. Um, I guess it takes two is kind of the example um, that comes to mind as far as you know divorce plots in gaming, at least modern gaming. Um, but this, I don't know. It's just I felt so strange playing this one, and it had this weird currency system. Which I still don't understand, but like you could hire, uh, you can you could hire an attorney, 
who will tell you what to do. Like he will like help you navigate in the in the, game strategy the, guide the sub the subterfuge of like planting uh, like audio recording devices and GPS devices and things like that. But to hire this guy to put him on retainer, it costs like a special diamond <laughs> currency that you don't have, and it costs a lot. And you basically have to do loops. So every time you every, every time you hit your you know your job building, um, you collect money, and it basically gives you three en envelopes. You click on one, um, and it's basically like a, a, a random chance you'll get like three thousand monies, one thousand monies, or some other number. So it's all up to RNG, and then you spend that money on either fucking spy equipment, or <laughs> or on these gems to put your attorney on retainer. Uh, if your attorney needs paid in in diamonds, I think you're in the uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in some trouble, the, man. The Far Cry Two lawyer. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I don't. Honestly, I talked about this way longer than I ever thought I would. Um, I do not recommend my divorce story. Um, if the dev hears this, I you know, no offense to you at all. But uh, you get through whatever you're going through. Man. Yeah, if you're going through something, uh, good luck, man. Uh, but the other thing I've been playing is something I'm you know much more amped about, and that's uh, Immortality, which is uh, Sam Barlow stuff. Which is my this is my first kind of step into that world. Uh, not only uh, Sam Barlow, but FMV in general. It's not something I've ever really given a, a fair shake. And uh, I'm really digging it, and it's very... Uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything, because there, there's a chance that... I know Ian wants to play it, but there's a chance Josh might as well, so I don't want to spoil anything. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's just super cool as a guy who loves film stuff to be able to, like... Because the, like, the whole idea of the game is that, like, there's this mystery around the actress that kind of links all three of these movies. And uh, you're seeing, like, behind-the-scenes footage... You're seeing like rehearsal recordings. You're seeing like table reads. So you're not just seeing the the characters and the stories of the movies play out, but you're seeing like the people actually play, like the the actors uh, who are playing these characters. Um, and the, just all the dialogue they they use, like the lingo, the vocab, it, it's all stuff I'm familiar with and stuff that I did when I was doing film stuff. Um, and as just a person who was all ready to go all in on film and directing. Uh, I don't know, I just kind of love that it sort of reawakened that that sort of part of my life that's been dead for a decade. Um, also why I think Ian uh, might really jive with it. Yeah, I'm interested to check it out. I, I, I do like uh, Barla's stuff uh, overall, including Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which I know is a little bit of a hot take. <laughs> but uh, I, I, really, I enjoyed her story. I was not a fan of telling lies it was it felt really rough to play and it just didn't engage me as much as her story did um although i should say that i played her story in two sessions that were like a year and a half apart <laughs> so it's a very it was a very uh, weird game uh, for me uh, but i'm interested in in, in immortality because like you say i mean barlow's doing some interesting stuff and even though that stuff does sometimes fall a little closer to the interactive movie side of things that I'm usually comfortable with. Uh, it's always pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, this, stuff, this so. definitely feels like that. It feels way more like an interactive movie. But it's yeah, kind of interesting how invested I am in not only the, you know, the overarching mystery, 
but in these terrible B movie plots. Like I just want to <laughs> find out what's like what happens because you're see- you're getting all this shit like Tarantino style, like in media res. It's like you don't know what's going on half the time because you're like you'll be in a scene, and the mechanic in this game is like you can cl- you can pause the footage at any time and click on just about anything in the scene, and it will like warp you to another one of these lost footage clips. Uh, so if you click on the actress, it might take you to, you know, another scene from another movie with that actress. Or it could be an object, like a clock or a table or, you know, whatever the hell. So you're jumping all over the place. Um, it could be a little it can be a little disorienting. Uh, but, it, I don't know, it adds to the mystery of the whole thing. But it, but there's not a lot of gameplay, that's for sure. It's it's just kind of clicking through, trying to piece, piece things should. together. You should try her story though, if you like the whole mystery of it. I will say, and it it sounds pretty similar mechanics wise, not totally, but um, to uh, immortality. But it for me and for both games probably, it, it was a little overwhelming to keep track of everything. Um, yeah, just because it's kind of you are jumping all over the place. But. They have like a grid system that's explained once at the very beginning, and if you miss it, fuck you. Um, <laughs> And it's not easy to navigate. Like, I'm probably five hours into this thing, and I still don't really know how to make sense of the UI. So I'm ignoring it. I'm just sort of navigating in my own way. Um, That'll make sense if you do jump in and and give it a try. Uh, But something that I do think, I don't know, with you in particular, Josh, you mentioned the sort of uh, Oscar bait you know, intellectual sort of hoity-toity, I'm smart, this is highbrow. There is a big dash of that here, and I wonder if it's going to sort of, I don't know, bristle. Her story won a bunch of awards, so I'm wondering if if that's maybe being forced in a bit in immortality, if that's the case. I was going to say... I just just think that's a really... I don't know. Like, like you would need to you need to demonstrate that the uh, sort of uh, substance of the of immortality is somehow phony in order to like demonstrate that it's being shoehorned in because the previous game won a bunch of awards. Well, I don't know. Right? I'm just saying maybe that is the case if it if it feels like it's being hamfisted a bit. But oh, I'm not I, saying I don't, I don't feel it. like it is. But I'm saying that for someone who for someone who maybe is sensitive to that kind of material, uh, and I'm guessing you are, like, if stuff is, like, trying to be smart. What's with the streets of fucking Josh Town? That's <laughs> so not bad. That's, that's, that's really? Montreal. That's yeah, shocking that's to me. people peeling out fucking... Uh, Good lord, it's been, like, six times apartment. now? Montreal. I, know. I don't know what they what they do. There must be a, a straightaway. Like, Montreal Drift. Around the corner here. Montreal Drift coming to you soon <laughs> from EA. Uh, but no, we don't need to talk about immortality anymore. Um, there's a, a good chance we'll probably talk about it again. Uh, it's kind of game you can really, really talk about. One thing real quick before you, that you might like, I don't know, but it's like another FMV that you might, uh, want to give a chance is a game called Not For Broadcast. It's completely different mechanics, but, uh, I won't go into it since we're, you know, trying to keep the time short, but, uh, check it out on Steam and see if you... I'd be interested. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, like I said, I don't know if my love of immortality is j- 
just because, ooh, I like FMV stuff. I wish I knew, you know, cool. Mm. Or if it's, hey, this is speaking my, you know, film school language shit. And like, I'm really into that. I can't tell yet. And I think I won't know until I jump into, you know, whatever's next. Um, but yeah, I don't know. speaking of immortality and FMV and stuff like that, uh, the next episode, uh, I guess I should announce that next week we're not having an episode. Um, that, that seems like some good info. Um, we're actually all going to meet up in person. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you wanted to say it too. <laughs> and uh, we're, I don't know. We're just going to chill out, meet each other. Well, we've all met each Well, actually, I have not met Ian. That's the only thing. So Ian and I are meeting for the first time in person. And then uh, all three of us are going to chill out and do something. But so no show next week. Not going to be the podcast, whatever we do. Yeah, I mean, it'd be real cool if we could if we could work that out, but I'm really not set up for it. Uh, for having like a three dudes chilling around a, a fucking <laughs> microphone, and we, yeah. uh, we we want to spend time, you know, hanging out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So just uh, you know, sorry about that, but we'll be back the week after, and the week after next is uh, we're gonna have another special guest, uh, Pam from Cannot Be Tamed from on YouTube. Uh, yeah, from the office. <laughs> is uh, gonna be uh, Jenna Fisher is gonna be on the show next. <laughs> Yo, that'd be some shit. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fucking hilarious. Um, but no, Pam's gonna be on the show on the fifteenth. Uh, look forward to having her on. I don't know if we're gonna talk more about immortality at that point or not, but that's definitely something that's like right up her alley. Um, and that's why it just came to my mind talking about that game. But uh, so look forward to that. And uh, I guess I guess we're done. We can. Uh, talk about the indie shout and this week indie shout is ian's turn if you don't know what this segment is every week one of us takes a turn plugging an indie game new old doesn't matter ian what have you got for yeah us this week? so uh, uh my indie shout for this week is lisa the painful okay. which is uh one of the most fascinating rpgs uh that i ever played i would say I gotta look this um, up. Is it on Steam? It is on Steam, yeah. It's uh, heavily inspired by Earthbound in particular and other RPGs as well. Um, and it sort of starts with a... Not the most original premise, right? There's a uh, there's an apocalypse. Uh, all women are wiped out. It's just men remaining. Just a bunch and of then, dudes. Uh, uh, a female child is found in the in the wasteland. Of men. And uh, she's raised by this uh, group of guys. Uh, one of them, her sort of primary caregiver, is named Brad Armstrong. Um, he's like an ex-martial artist, and he just sort of lives a quiet life in the, in the apocalypse. And they keep this child a secret, and then she grows up, and uh, one day she vanishes. Uh and is presumed kidnapped by uh, a, a local bandit leader. And that's where the game sort of begins. And uh, Brad has to set out across the uh, the wasteland to rescue Buddy, his daughter. Um, so, you know, that, that in and of itself is not the most original premise, but it's what the game does within that world and how it uses the JRPG mechanics to tell the story. Uh, the story is really intricate. It takes the sort of... Uh, uh, almost tropey premise, and it really gives the characters in the world the full 
three-dimensional treatment, right? Um, and that's great. But what's most fascinating to me is the way it uses uh, status effects and the combat system in general to define not only sort of the external, but also the interior of the, of the combatants. So you have, uh, uh, you know, attacks like, you know, wail or, or cry, which like don't actually do anything, right? They're just sort of pathetic. And monsters will do this, like mutants that you're fighting will just like start crying or something like that. Crying is also a status effect. It, it messes with your accuracy, right? But past a certain point, I don't know, there's like, they, they do it contextually. Uh, uh, so not only could a, a, a creature or a character be crying because they've been attacked, um, but they sort of tie it into the emotional context of the of the combat scenario. Uh, and it's just done so effectively. And I've, I've never seen, uh, or I hadn't seen when I played Lisa the first time, uh, that done with RPG mechanics, where things like status effects define the interior of the character as well as sort of their external effects. Obviously, since then, um, Disco Elysium has come out, which is an entire game uh, built uh, beautifully around that premise. Mm. Um, but Lisa did it first, and I think that that's, uh, that's worth noting. And if you like really challenging uh, and dark, but also wry and witty and satirical uh, stories uh, and JRPGs and stuff like that, uh, check it out. One of the one of the really uh, really good entries in the in the sad dad <laughs> catalog of video games. You know what's interesting? It just show you how shitty play, things like Metacritic can be. Is that Metacritic has a seventy seven on this game, while the reviews on Steam are all uh, overwhelmingly positive, ninety six percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. Seventy seven is probably fair. <laughs> you know, it's also not a bad not... score. The game is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and you know, users in games communities, I think, to be expected. I mean, they tend to be very passionate. They're they're more likely to give either tens or zeros. Zeros, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, they're far less likely to 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 gradiate or graduate their assessment. That said, seventy seven, yeah, is a perfectly is a perfectly respectable score. When you take into account the things that Lisa does right and the things that Lisa doesn't do so right, it's a net positive overall. And so that's that's why it's my my indie shout. So check it out. Cool. It's like ten bucks US on Steam. Um, yeah, check that out. Lisa the painful. Uh, I always interject on indie shouts when it's not my turn to uh, to shout out some stuff that I've been playing and checking out. Uh, this week, my sort of mini indie shout is Tinykin which is uh, kind of this 3D platformer that's done really well. And it's super cute. It's probably the most like delightful thing I've played in a long time. Uh, like I got a code for this and I wanted to put it in this, uh, this, this week's show, but I was really, you know, I was deep into this immortality game and I've given that all my attention. But today I, I hopped on Tinykin just, you know, just wanted to, to start it off, just maybe to have something to say about it. Uh, and I ended up putting like two or three hours in, like by accident. And that doesn't happen so often with me, where I just kind of lose time like that with games. Um, 
I had just such a good time. Like you're just running around. There's no combat. At least I've cleared. I've cleared the first major area of the game. So if there is a combat of some kind, it has not been revealed to me yet. Uh, but there's no like traditional combat. You're you're just running. Around. It's like a big collectathon almost, with these really nice, cute areas to traverse. Josh, I'm not sure if you'd like it because it's pretty platform heavy. Lots of jumping. Seems lots cool of to me. Gliding. I still stuff. don't understand why you guys think I just hate platforming. Period. But you have expressed <laughs> extreme. I've expressed extreme distaste for platforming in FPSs. I mean, anyway. I, I, I. So does this mean that I get to watch you play Oddworld? I've played Oddworld when I was like fucking elementary school age. Did you like it? It was difficult, but I did enjoy it. I think my young mind at the time was kind of like, "This is weird," and I'm a little uncomfortable. But I've uh, also seen you seen streams of you playing Mario. Yeah, I didn't rage. You, I sucked. No, that was that was like the first. Are you kidding me? That was the first time I think I saw you like rage at a game. Was when Casey was showing me this Mario. Maybe I did, but but that if doesn't you, mean I hated it. Watch those if, if you're if you're if you're listening to this on YouTube. Look up, uh, God, what were they called? I think they were called Wizcades or something like that. It was some dumb series I was doing where I was doing couch co-op stuff with friends. Um, but look up uh, look up Super Mario Maker on my channel. Uh, mm. The Josh episodes are really unmissable. Like the some <laughs> of the best content I've ever published, and it's all thanks to this man. Uh, before we go on a huge tangent where Josh gets really upset about hating platforming, <laughs> Tinykin is seriously worth a look. Uh, it's on Game Pass, so, I mean, what, it's free there if, if you're a subscriber. It is, like, 25 bucks US, um, on Steam, which I think so far has been, uh, I would pay that for this. It's, I don't know, it's just, it, it feels so polished and nice. It's very responsive. Even on a keyboard and mouse, and I hate playing platformers on a keyboard and mouse, but I'm not having any trouble with it. Uh, but the basic premise, just to get this out of the way, is you find these things called tinykins, and they're basically like little little gremlin monsters that live in like jelly beans or eggs or whatever on the ground, and you run over them, and they're like consumable items for you. Uh, apparently, they are just little beings that have ignored the uh, <laughs> the natives, but you're not a native. I won't get into the story stuff, but you're like a fish out of water kind of. But for some reason, these tiny kin listen to you. And there's certain tiny kin that are strong. So you collect a bunch of them. You can have like 30 of them. Uh, and you can use them to like move heavy objects and like make new paths for yourself or, you know, whatever, find secrets. And there's some that like explode. So you could like use them. To, <laughs> you could, you're throwing living beings at things and they explode. Um... I don't know, it's, it's just really cool. I, I wonder how far they're going to take that mechanic, because I've, I, like I said, I'm very early in, uh, and I don't know how long of an experience it is, but I'm just really kind of looking forward to jumping back into it. Um, so, I yeah. a lot of Pikmin, just, just because Pikmin basically, uh, you know, you play as a guy who gets these little vegetable monsters that help you do the same things and all have different abilities just like these things do. Uh, although it's probably less of a, it's more of a puzzle thing than less of a collectible platformer, I think. It's been a long time since I played a Pikmin game. But a Steam review for this game uh, says, this is Toy Story 2, uh, as in the PS1 game, plus a dash of Pikmin. And it's incredible, they say. 
Uh, but it that's that. Good. Did the jazz playlist start without my permission? Oh God, my dude. God. Uncalled for. Uncalled for. But, uh, but yeah, that's that. Uh, let's talk about the news real quick. It's not really news. The only thing I care about this week is that Netflix tweeted about a Bioshock movie. Uh, and, and it has some legitimate talent behind it. Um, like the, uh, the the director of I Am Legend, Hunger Games. Uh, I don't really care about Hunger Games in particular. I Am Legend is okay. But I'm more excited about the uh, the script who was written by Michael Green, who uh, who wrote Blade Runner 2049 and Logan and American Gods. Logan's I think great. that talent behind a Bioshock script, uh, yeah, I'm all there for that. Um, we don't really need so- to talk too crazy about this. If you have anything to say about it, you know, shout out, go ahead. But uh, Let's hope they don't fuck it up. Yeah. The only video game movie I think I've ever liked is the Silent Hill movie. I like that movie too, and a lot of people say it's shit, but I, I don't know. I They're it. wrong. That, that movie's good. People say yeah. Brotherhood of the Wolf is shit too. That same director did that. They're wrong about that too. Brotherhood of the Wolf is fucking awesome. I haven't seen I either of those. You should watch Silent Hill. I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, I'm not. I'm not positive you'll enjoy Silent Hill because I know you have a. I think you. I think you have with horror. I don't know. I don't like horror. For the most part, like I, I can right. handle it in video games, you know that's fine. I don't go out of my way to uh, to sit down and watch a horror movie, mostly because I think most horror movies suck. Um, if it's a good horror movie, sure, but if it if it's like a slasher, that's not really my thing. I don't I, I don't know any kind of like torture porn, sort of uh, gore. Not into like the one, gore. There's like Pretty. one or two fucked up scenes in there, but it's not. It's not a slasher or torture porn. Well, he, yeah, okay, here, here's, here's where I draw the line, because Ian, you bring this up a lot, not on the show, but just in our relationship, <laughs> where you yeah. think I have this, this I don't know, I have like this affront to, to horror in general, or that I'm like, know, af- you... afraid of blood or something like. That. It's not that serious. It's more like, I'm fine if there's some gory stuff when it's used for shock to really emphasize a moment. That's cool. My issue is when they take pleasure in it. Like when it's like, we're going to slowly slit this skin open and you're going to watch the the inside spill out slowly. Like, I don't give a fuck about any of that. But if there's blood and gore and it's just, you know, I don't know, like the boys uh, on Amazon Prime, that's fine. I don't know. know. It's hard to say. I I think you'll like it first. It it's worth it's worth a look. Like I I would definitely say that, but I don't know that I would ever say that if you generally dislike horror movies because you think most of them suck, that Silent Hill is going to be the one to change (laughs) to change your mind. Do you disagree? I just don't know that. Think that most horror movies just kind of get horror wrong. I feel the I same about horror games. I think there's, there's a so good many. amount that do really well. It's just that it's a very saturated there's, market. And there's a lot of so them. many of them, right? Yeah. And, like, I, I do agree that, like, I don't know, your average, like, summer blockbuster horror movie is generally not super great. I, I don't tend to I like those. I just but love, it's, uh, I love when a horror movie can let me get scared, you know? Like, not shake me violently so that I react, but, like, creep me the fuck out you know like to me that's the magic trick it's not like playing some strings all of a sudden and scaring me 
or showing me just the most horrific body horror you can imagine. Like, yeah, that stuff's repulsive. That stuff's gonna get like a visceral reaction out of me as a human being. I prefer when you, I don't know, when you let it breathe, when you like, when shit's creepy and there's no audio, audio cue for it. You know, just, was it, I don't know. Was it you, Ian, that doesn't like James Wan? I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge James Wan fan. I think he's done some stuff that I, I haven't, I mean, he, he, he did the first Saw movie, which I thought was a great yeah. movie. Um, technically, that, I wouldn't even call that a horror movie. It's more of a thriller, but in the first Saw's a good example of what I'm talking about, though. Like, that, that, that movie has some fucked up shit in it, and I'm totally fine with yeah. it. But when you get into, yeah. what is it, Saw 2? Where it's like, where they go out of their way to make it more like, yeah. What's the word I'm even looking for? Like they want to get that wind, that wind, maybe. That well, wind reaction one, out of one you. One of the movies, there's a scene where like if someone falls into a pit of fucking syringes and you're yeah, like, yeah, that's oh, the like next one I think. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're we're on a good segue here, I guess, because uh, we're talking about horror and the. Uh, cover story this week is horror related so let's go ahead and talk about that cover story this is part of the show where we focus on a single game and we build a discussion around it could be new old whatever this week it's the mortuary assistant from darkstone digital now I played this recently. I guess anybody who's played it has played it recently, right? It just kind of came out it's only recently. Been out for five minutes, right? Yeah, like, it's kind of hot right now, I suppose. Um, they're making a movie of it, apparently. What? You're yeah. kidding? For real? Just saw that today. Yeah. That was fucking quick. I didn't think it. Was, I mean, damn. Yeah, they must have been working on that behind the scenes. I wonder if if Dread X, because I mean, they're they're not just a game thing, right? I mean, they're Dread Central. They do horror movie stuff too. I wonder if they were they were angling for that when they acquired uh, hmm. the or, or agreed to publish the the game. But interesting, yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. Now, as far as play times and who's done what here, um, I'm not sure who's played the most. Josh, you have not played at all, right? You've just really consumed a bunch of playthroughs yeah. of it, right? Right. Right. I played through a, I don't know a couple shifts, I guess. And Ian, I only know of the one. Is that? Yeah, I only played through one. Right. So there's like five endings, and between well, Josh has probably seen them all, uh, but between all of us, we've 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 pretty much got a, a decent handle on what this game kind of is. Although I did watch Ian's full sort of playthrough, and I, man, I wish there were more scares in that. It, yeah, it you might had a really, really mild one. <laughs> yeah. Cause it can get pretty, pretty intense, and I mean, I know that you're pretty resistant to the the horror stuff, anyway. But yeah, but I mean, I can let myself get taken up by it to you know, whatever extent. Right. Like, I'm not over horror. I just I've just exposed myself to a huge amount of it. I still love it though. Well, I mean, that's good. But like, I don't know. I still feel like you got off easy almost. No, I mean, even if they threw everything they could have at you. You'd have been fine and probably wouldn't have reacted at all. But I don't know. I kind of feel like you got the kind of playthrough Josh would have like prayed for. <laughs> <laughs> like the you know, not much happened. There's a I feel like maybe some stuff happened too, because you were pretty focused on 
uh, getting the embalming done for for a little bit there, and I feel like you missed a couple of. Well, I mean, you got a job to do, right? Like, just because <laughs> shit's going crazy doesn't. I ain't mean got time for fucking... your shit, demon. <laughs> yeah, these cadavers aren't going to embalm themselves. That's why I, mean, I got the whatever I... the back back to business or. I ain't afraid of no ghost achievement for, for getting right back to work. It's the name of the game, man. The name of the game. Yeah. You know, it actually makes me curious that that achievement you're talking about, it's for that intro. Yeah. Uh, it only happens once. So is it possible that you could just, like, not, I can never tell get you, that? But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can tell you what the difference is, but I, I don't know if you want me to necessarily. No, I don't. It's like the first that, like, you run out to the car. Have yeah. a little cutscene and end up having to come back in, but right. you never get that prompt again where she's like, "Fuck this, I'm out, I'm leaving." So like, if you do what Ian did, you never get to see that. Like, it's just gone. But you do get like a badass achievement for it. But I then wonder you how you would reset that then? That's what I mean. You can't get that achievement if you missed it the first time either. So I don't know. There's got to be a way around it. Yeah, way to go, Darkstone Digital. Dickheads. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, Ian, you have worked on horror games. You have consumed the most horror games. I'm curious where where the Mortuary Assistant sort of stacks up for you as far as like... Because it's really popping off. Like People are calling it yeah. like the scariest game of the year. Lots of hyperboles jumping around about this game. Um, so I'm wondering kind of where you stand with it. I mean, and I know you've only played it for like, a, what, two hours or so. Yeah. Well, I haven't played very many scary games that came out this year, so it may be the scariest game uh, that's come out this year. I can't think off the top of my head of another uh, horror game so far this year that's come out that, uh, yeah, that nothing comes to mind um, that I've played. Um, so, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. Is it scarier uh, I than Lady Demetresque? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it depends on what you mean by scary, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, was that was Resident Evil Village? Wasn't this year? Was it? No, 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 no. Um, Wait, now you got me second guess. I thought it was last year. Yeah, it was last, last year because we, we played it. We played it on my birthday weekend last year. I'm I'm almost positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not this year. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I, I think the mortuary system is really good, um, in a in a word. <laughs> uh, I, I I love its premise, right? Um, I was telling you a little bit about this, uh, Casey, that uh, recently, like within the last two years or so, I, I saw a, a cool little horror movie on Netflix called the The Autopsy of Jane Doe, um, yeah. which I enjoyed. It was a great little claustrophobic horror movie set in a mortuary. And when I saw that the mortuary system was coming out, I was like, that's such a good idea to take that story, that, that sort of setting, and do it as a game and make the whole mortuary stuff, you know, the mortuary work uh, interactive. So I was really excited by that. And I felt like that was executed on really well. Um, the one, like, little quibble that I have um, is I think, I think that having some of the objects be one use, some of the tools that you use being one use makes sense. But other ones don't make sense. And they could have been like your your trocar, for instance, or your you know staple gun or whatever it is, your <laughs> stitch gun. Like right. those things could you know, I don't think those things had to be consumable for the the overall Listen, loop to work. If you're not right? throwing away 
then you could, you're not a true professional. You could have used uh, them like you would guns with ammunition, and I think it yeah. may have, you know, worked out better. But at the yeah, same time, it, it could be more cumbersome. Um, and for anyone listening, this unless you have played this, then this is going to sound like a lot of nonsense. But like, uh, for example, when you use the trocar, when you're done, it disappears. Because uh, they have this whole mechanic where you have two hands and you can only hold two large objects at once. So it's convenient, actually, that the trocar disappears because then you don't have to drop it somewhere in order to hold something else. So I wonder if if that was maybe intentional because... One thing yeah. I mentioned, too, when we were talking about this before was that I think part of it... Because they have everything spread out around the room, right? It's not all in one area. It's randomized, and a lot of, by the way. Really? Yeah, all the tool locations and chemical locations, all that stuff is now uh, loosely randomized. But I would like to hear what Ian was going to say about what I was saying. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I think I think that's uh, uh, you know that's a good point. Um, I do think that that there's a way you could you could fold that into like you have your uh, you know, little table of of instruments, right? Uh, that you draw from. You, you go around and you collect like like the ingredients for the embalming fluid and stuff. Like I like sort of going around and collecting that. But then you've got your sort of instrument panel, <coughs> and you could still do it the same way, where once you've used it, you don't get to use it again, right? It leaves your your hands and goes back to its table, and you don't you don't touch it again. It's such a quibble, though. It's such a little quibble. Like it's just a minor. Uh, you know, minor little thing. You know, it all, it almost doesn't even seem, you know, worth mentioning. But I had to say something <laughs> to temper to temper my praise. I guess any complaint um, I have about the game is like, I don't know. It's it's countered by game design. Like it makes sense because like, I don't know. I hate running back to the damn bathroom every time to you know make get the tank cleaner. But it kind of makes sense, like like the whole idea. If you had all your shit on a tray, you'd never leave the damn table. Oh like no! Whole, but, but I'm only saying the the tools, right? The no, no. I'm talking about my you know. complaint. Like my yeah. example is like getting the t the uh, the embalming tank cleaner, like having to run back for that. Like you bring right, a fucking right. gallon of it back. Why can't you just use the same one? You know, for each body. Um, <laughs> right. But just I, leave it by the right. But the the reason why you have to go out to the you know, to the bathroom for the chemicals or to, you know, put the paperwork out in the lobby or you know, wheel the bodies into the cold storage. It's to get you moving through the space. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so, like, it's hard to find legitimate complaints. Yeah, um, no, I thought, uh, you know, overall, I think that's good. The The animation a little, is a little, little undercooked, I thought. But uh, for what it was, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's a tiny little game, so... Character animation is hard. It's expensive. So. Josh, what are the chances of you actually playing this one? Like, do you think you've seen so much of it that you can tackle it pretty easily, or do you think it would still kind of wig you out? I mean, it's always gonna kind of creep me out no matter what. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining like that little that dude, the little white the, demon. It's, just yeah, it's, him the, it's the little. <laughs> it's the low, little moments rather than those. Um, rather than those. Not cutscenes, but you know what I mean, like those little out of body yeah, experiences. Those, yeah, I'll tell you the one the one spook that really I felt was super effective in my playthrough was like it was over at the desk I think for some reason probably probably messing around with uh, the occult shit, and I came around and uh, there was like a, a, a creepy looking lady like, peeking through the door, 
<laughs> and I like it was it, you know totally you know totally subtle, nothing to draw the eye you know uh, explicitly to that. I just sort of naturally saw it and was like, oh, I, I gave it. It's like, oh, hello there. <laughs> like, uh, Is that the same lady model that did not despawn for me? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. She pops up all over the place. She can pop up, you know, in the like the lower cabinets where you get like the tubing and stuff. Her yeah, head yeah. can be in those little <laughs> those little cupboards down there. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. What else can we say about the Mortuary Assistant? It's like it's such a sort of compact game. The story of it is um I don't want to spoil stuff for people who want to try it, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like maybe they blow their story load a little too fast. Like, I, I would have liked to have had a more compelling reason to kind of come back and do more shifts. Like, uh, for instance, Ian, you got lucky with the RNG and the, you know, the various events that you triggered, uh, where you basically got like a complete play, like run through in one go. Like, you got all the keys, you opened all the doors. You saw all the things. You didn't see all the, like what Josh was saying, the out-of-body sort of. Right. But you saw basically all the sort of discoverable mysteries. Yeah, the secret secret lore. Right. Um, And um, I don't know. I feel like that could have been spread out a little bit more. Yeah. There was, you know, there there is, uh, you know, again, I I don't necessarily want to judge the game for what it's not, right? As opposed to what it is. There was a part of me that wondered, there's another prominent, right? There's a secondary, a prominent secondary character in the game. (laughs) And part of me wondered exactly how necessary it was for him to actually be present uh, for as much of the game as he was, at at least. Um, There's something appealing to the idea of you know, really leaning into the isolation of it, of putting you in the shoes of this person who that who has to sort of go through this ordeal, uh, you know, on her own. Uh, especially given the the sort of realization struggles uh, as far as the animation is concerned. Um, and then, you know, it does. I, I don't know. There's a way in which the ending sort of jumped the shark slightly for me. But overall, I thought for 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 what it was, the uh, you know the story was strong. The 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 sort of some of the reveals that I I found were uh, were really compelling and well done. I thought so, you mm-hmm. know, really balanced out. Yeah, and it's not a. This is not an early access release, is it? This is like a full on. It's a full release, yeah. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I I kind of good game. I thought. Yeah, I leave it w- sure. wishing that it was going to receive more. And I don't know if that's fair or not, because I mean they're charging twenty five bucks for it, and uh, I don't. Someone like you could play it for an hour and be done. But at the same time, yeah, yeah I th- you would probably say that you know that's a fair price, like that you had a, a good enough time with it. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it was all right. It's always hard to. Uh, I, I I mean I struggle to struggle to price even my own release. You know, it's, it's hard to put a value, uh, especially when you're a solo dev doing all that work yourself, you know. Is this a, if is you this were, a solo dev? Yeah, yeah. Brian, I can't remember his last name. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dark Zone Digital is one guy. So, 
Do you think? I mean, the, I mean, you got to figure like fair, um, twenty-five bucks. Well, you know, almost any solo dev situation. If you were do, if you were working the same hours, <laughs> or, or like doing all of that work at like a firm, like you probably be getting paid more than you're getting paid to, you sure. know, during yeah. during active development. Now the the trade off is that you can then you know take home a, a you know pretty penny once you once you launch, but only if you price the game right. If you really underprice yourself, you can, you know. So it's it's hard. For, it's always hard for me to say, oh. Is it priced, you know, enough? I think some people are definitely going to find twenty-five dollars to be a little steep, and others will probably feel yeah. that it's just right. Josh, what do you think? Um, I mean, like the animation was the only really wonky thing. There were a few bugs when I, when it first came out. Like uh, I think if you got it like the first day, um, you actually missed out on the entire intro and lost that context. Um, so that was pretty rough. I think for some people, they didn't. Uh, they just kind of jumped right in where the demo was uh, beforehand. But other than that, um, hmm. yeah, as a horror game as a whole, it did a pretty good job. And uh, how, how much did you say it was? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. It's a little. I mean, seems a little expensive, but at the same time, if people are saying it's the scariest game of the year and you're playing for the experience really more than anything, and uh, you know everyone's playing it, apparently hmm. it's not too expensive for for everyone to buy it. It is certainly a dynamic game. Like the, the the thing that impressed me the most about it was sort of the procedural nature of its little spooks. Um, the amount of places where creepy things can happen, and you know, demons or whatever they are can appear suddenly, or I don't know. There's a lot of variation there. Uh, whereas several playthroughs, like three, four playthroughs. You could see completely different things in all of them. Um, where it does start to, where you see kind of repetition kick in is in those, uh, those scripted sequences, because those also continue. And you can play one night and get one scripted sequence and play another shift and get the same exact sequence, like, um, which I don't think is great, especially if there's a bunch of them. I don't know how many there are, uh, but yeah, uh, Mortuary Assistant. Not a whole lot more to say, I guess. Anything else you guys want to say about it? I think the last thing that I would say about it is, uh, well, I guess I guess it's just this: since PT, the there there has been a real shift in indie horror. There's been a lot of horror that is this sort of first-person residential, quote-unquote, walking sim type horror. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, you know one of the uh, for me one of the one of the best ones out there is a, is a game called Visage that really sort of hit I think what uh, what people who wanted PT to be a full game were going for. But the saturation then all the all the lesser ones sort of fall by the wayside, and you really need a way to distinguish yourself. And I think that that uh, the Mortuary System really effectively takes that the current milieu of, of uh, you know, that particular, you know, branch of indie horror and does something really fascinating with it and really unique and original. And, uh, yeah, that's, I just want to underscore that, you know, it's worth checking out if for no other reason than that. There you have it. <laughs> uh, let's go to the patch notes. 
This is the part of the show where we answer your questions and reply to your messages. If you want to participate, you can send your patch notes to gamesiguesspodcast at gmail.com or on uh, Twitter at IGuessGames. Uh, our first is from Tom Wilson. Good old Tom sent us Tom, another one. Not the one we missed, but another one. What a Chad. Uh, he says, hey, so I was wondering if you guys had any opinions about review codes and whether or not they invalidate a review. This is exciting for me because no one ever asks me questions. Um, I've seen many people claim that reviewers that use review codes are biased due to the lack of any costs involved. Uh, he goes on to say, also, second, more fun question. If the three of you were to put your minds together and make a game, what would it look like? Anyway, absolutely love the pod. You guys are my favorite podcast to listen and chill to. You're so insightful and fun to listen to. How nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, you're our favorite person to send in question. I don't know. Booba lover. We got to pander to everyone, right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, so I guess I'll take the first part, or at least part of the first part. Um, where was it? Review codes and whether or not they invalidate a review. Do review codes invalidate a review? I would say no. I think in a perfect world, uh, they exist sort of separately and sort of symb symbiotically. They kind of work together, right? So like you get a review code and that doesn't mean that you're bought and paid for, but that, uh, you know, you're part like, I don't know, you're each part, you're each a cog in the system that's working together to sort of produce uh, consumer review coverage, which is good for everybody. Um, I've seen the, particularly ACG tends to sit up on his soapbox and talk about, you know, he really likes to puff his chest and say, I buy all my games, therefore I am, you know, the best. Um, love you, buddy, but I think it's a little ridiculous. Uh, review codes are sort of a necessary evil, uh, for reviewers at this point. Um, I don't think it invalidates reviews. I think that, uh, if anything... Um, I don't know. It, it could be a real point of contention. Like, uh, someone my size, they rarely get to interface with the people who are sending out review codes. Um, you really have to work at it. And, um, you'd be crazy if you're me to not take them. And when I take them, I'm not agreeing to anything. I'm not saying, yes, I'll help you sell your game. It's not a sponsorship. It's not an endorsement. Uh, and if it were, I wouldn't take them. Um, that's my thoughts on that. Do might do do the friends of the reviewer have anything to say about that? Well, I was first of all, wasn't it? I forget what it, when you did Rage Two, uh, when you did a review for that, didn't you get like blacklisted or you thought you did or something like well, that? Well, was that you? Oh yeah, like um, I'm not. They don't send you an email that says congratulations, you've been blacklisted. <laughs> uh, so I don't really know. All I know is that I got review code for Rage Two. Um, I criticized their. Uh, their sort of review package that they send along with it that gives you kind of instructions and examples of things to say. Um, I criticized that because I felt that it was sort of disingenuous. Um, and I mentioned that in the review. Um, and since then, it was just an overall negative review of the game. I did not like Rage 2. Uh, but I still I stand by the review. Uh, but ever since, the contact I had with Bethesda... Uh, does not respond and i do not receive game code and uh, they mysteriously my, disappeared 
Yeah, my understanding is that when you're blacklisted, that's kind of what it looks like. Um, so, but that's fine. But you know, I don't need Bethesda review code. Uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, I was just saying because any any reviewer who cares about their reputation, I think it, it, they 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 should be holding themselves accountable anyway, right? So you don't just oh, yeah. you, you give would be a, a you'd be a fool <laughs> to do that. I don't know why that's like the first thing, the first dumb brain dead comment you read in any thread involving review scores and shit. It's always like, ah, oh, I wonder how much they paid you. Like, well, god damn. And there are people, I'm sure, that do do that sort of stuff. But but I don't, most I don't of the time know. They're... I don't know, dude. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone who's ever done that. Well, that's the thing. You never I mean, heard if of that. Was, if that was they're, happening, they're, their it would have sucked. to be. It would have to be happening off the books. I don't right? know, man. Because that it would be it would, that be, would be so be... big. The news would be so yeah. big that just leaking it would get you would make you viral. Like there's incentive. Yeah. Even if you, you're the guy making the shady deal. That That's what I'm saying. Like even if you're the guy making the shady deal with that company, it's too much of a liability for that company. Because you can just out them. Yeah, you broke an NDA or whatever. Who gives a fuck? You're now like the nobody who everybody knows who outed this big, you know, triple A company, it's just not happening. And if it is well, happening, I, it's, it's the exception. When I, when I say that, I mean, it's more like individual reviewers who, and, and like you said, you never heard of them because those are the people that have uh, shitty reputations and most people do their due diligence or, you know, they can just kind of get a read on most, you know, and uh, most situations and, and don't like them. Um, that said, I mean, when it when it comes to like the large like the like like Game Informer you know for instance or IGN and they it's I know what you're saying like it's it's hard to uh, imagine that not being leaked out there but at the same time when they're plastering ads all over their website or in Game Informer they're doing these featured things and they're owned by you know GameStop. It makes know, you question man. it. I don't. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just it saying it might make you question. It doesn't make me question it. Um, like, that's like someone getting on me for an ad that plays on my channel. I have oh, control. No, I do. I have control over the ads that play on my channel. I can tell you if they play at the beginning, the middle, the end, how many of them. I can tell you. Uh, I can tell YouTube which companies I refuse to have run on my channel. Any ad you see on my channel, you could say I've endorsed, but I don't endorse it because I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't, you know, in, <laughs> I don't interact with that. Uh, but to me, it's the same argument. Like, uh, I don't know. The, the, the exchange of review key between IGN and said publisher is not the same department as whoever's running their fucking, you know, web analytics and whoever's running their ad campaigns and trying to generate, you know, ad clicks. Um, I can get why maybe somebody who doesn't know anything about games would see that and be like, oh, look, there's a Call of Duty ad right here on this IGN, uh, Call of Duty review. But yeah, I don't know. To me, that's more coincidental than anything. So, so, and again, I'm not, this is just me putting conversation out there, but, uh, I recently read a review for the new Madden that's coming out and it was like, it was pretty positive. I would say that, you know, if they were to... They, I don't know. I don't think they gave it a score, but if they were to give it a score, it seemed like they might give it like a an eight out of ten or something like that. And um, 
but when it comes out and people start playing it as it has recently it's buggy as shit there's hardly any changes that are worthwhile it's it's not worth that positive review so and this happens consistently uh with with these larger companies you know where where yay i don't know wasn't it ign that recently said i forget some annual franchise i don't remember it was a if it was a call of duty or a fifa or or a madden some annualized release where they were like it's the same shit you know (laughs) i i swear one of the big ones did that recently and it was it made headlines i'm not Uh, sure i don't have the the details on hand one one thing too to to keep in mind is that you know reviewers who get early access to games for review they often are playing before like i mean they're usually playing before even a, like a day one patch right? oh yeah almost um, almost every time almost so like you know uh, uh to a certain i mean i know there's this ideal world in which you know these huge triple a games just launch perfectly um you know and we don't want them to be launching you know as broken you know pieces of shit obviously there is a, a realistic middle ground there right like there's a way in which you can identify bugs once your game has been released to millions of people that you know even really good qa is not necessarily going to be able to, to catch every single thing mm-hmm. so you do have sort of i think i think if you are reviewing those games on the regular you probably do adjust for that to some extent, right? Right. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, it doesn't have to be... Even if we say that there are certain tendencies in mainstream gaming journalism, it doesn't have to be corruption that's causing it, right? Like, there's oh, any yeah. number of other things. Like, you could argue that... It's bad management uh, most of the time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's bad management issues people are are underpaid and they're up against you know big deadlines um also you know uh, uh big you know the, these big studios have big marketing and influence campaigns that really inflate the you know uh, uh experience surrounding their releases uh a lot of these games you know i mean production value in triple a is going through the roof you know, I think it is possible for people to be so wowed by production value that, yeah, they overlook <laughs> some uh, weaker points. None of these are necessarily great things, and they're things I think that, that gaming journalism will have to confront as it matures and as video games mature as a medium. Um, but they're not necessarily corruption, right? And you can sort of complain about them, sure, um, but it's like another level when you're like, oh, this is like straight up shady dealing you know you know that's uh, that's that's contributing to this one one other possibility could just be straight up bias too for particular games that they tend to enjoy and you've talked about this with other people casey is that people are like you should do it objectively and it's like it's impossible unless you want a boring ass information every review you've ever consumed from any outlet ever in your life it is biased like every time you approach something with a critic's eye you're bringing a whole lifetime of baggage and taste and personality and uh, just things that are unique to you that you cannot ignore, you cannot put them aside, you cannot remain impartial to a certain point. Uh, you are going to inherently like the things that you like and notice the things that you notice and forgive the things you tend to forgive. And that is true for the IGNs of the world and for the Mies of the world and everything in between. Um, 
And about the corruption side of things, I'm always frustrated that the large outlets, and I, first of all, I, I'm frustrated that I am ever in the position that, where I have to defend them, because I don't want to defend them, because I think they're, they're loaded with problems. But corruption, if it's happening, it's happening with the whizfishes of the world. It's not happening with the IGNs. Because I'll tell you what, I have been approached by, you know, nameless company with some shovelware dumb game. Uh, and they're asking for, you know, a strange arrangement. Like, you know, hey, I'll pay you to do this. Or, you know, so the, the small guy who's looking to make his break into the industry is way more likely to roll the dice on that than an established person like a skill up or an ACG or a huge, you know, company that has thousands of employees like IGN um, so we kind of beat this to death but I, I think corruption is possible I think corruption probably exists but um, the people that are probably engaging with it have such a low uh, clout level uh, their influence is so minor that you'll probably never have to worry about stumbling upon it um, Anyway, that's a lot of review talk. Well, I, I just, I just want to say one last thing because you raised such a good point, and it's something we've talked about before. I think I've talked about it before on this uh, show, in fact, um, which is this, you know, the, the sort of natural bias of the critical eye, right? Yeah. Um, I really think that 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 uh, the gaming discourse needs to needs to move past that, it needs to start taking subjectivity for granted, because I think it's the convergence of those biases that create a rich community of taste, right? Like we should be embracing this multiplicity of voices. Um, well, and you find out too that, you know, you find the reviewers that you tend to align with and if they like it, then, you know, they have a similar taste to yours. Then you are like, Oh, well then I'll like it too. So it kind of helps in that way. Yeah. It's useful on the other side too, though, that if a reviewer that you tend to agree with likes a game, or likes a game in a genre that you tend to not like, maybe that means it's still useful information for you. You know what I mean? Like maybe this JRPG isn't like all the other JRPGs that I hate. Maybe I'll give this mm. one a try. Um, right. I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you, Ian, if you were. No, no, that's no problem. I mean, that's basically what I was going to say. And I was also going to just quickly answer Tom's question and say that, you know, as a developer, I see uh, review keys as a, you know, they're a tool and the relationship with the reviewer. I mean, when you give a review key to a reviewer, you're giving it to a professional because you're engaging, like Casey said, you're engaging with this great mechanism and you trust that professional to do their job, whether it's in your favor or not. And uh, the key is a tool <laughs> for that. And it I makes wonder, sense to me. I wonder if that guy who, what is his name? I hate everything. I wonder if he gets review keys. <laughs> you know like i wonder if publishers are just throwing keys at him because he gets like half a million views <laughs> on every f dumb video he makes uh yeah review stuff thanks for the question no one uh really asks me stuff that i can uniquely answer so i appreciate that on to your second part um the more fun question if we were to put our minds together and make a game what would it look like i think someone else actually asked us this uh in their own question and i i'm so sorry that i don't remember your name we answered tom because we we like tom <laughs> wow <laughs> i like you other one whoever you are other one i do like you please don't 
not send us questions now because Ian said that. <laughs> but we do, we do like Tom though. <laughs> <laughs> so what would this, uh, what would this game look like without going into like a forty-minute fucking brainstorm session? I think, I think making a horror game between the three of us would be fun. Okay, never mind then. Fuck. <laughs> no, I'm trying to imagine you making a horror <laughs> game because, like, you're, you're the perfect test subject for it. Yeah. But I'm wondering. I know if what's scary. You could mine him, mine him for ideas for sure. Yeah. Just like, just like, and 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 he'd be a great sounding board because, like, you just sort of like talk him through it, and if he was like, you could see the sweat forming on his brow, you'd know. <laughs> so some horror. Ga- what's a horror game that we could make that's. I don't know, not kind of run-of-the-mill. Like, something that immediately sort of demands attention as being different. It could be something as simple as, like, the setting or the time period. Or, I think period oh, yeah. horror is cool. You could do a haunted the uh, a haunted podcast, Sam Barlow style. <laughs> Jesus. Actually, you know what? That's not, like, what if you had a game where, and this is all panted, uh, you know, intellectual property here. <laughs> but what if you had a game, uh... What if you had a game where it was like a podcast and you had to like listen through for, you know, the white noise, and, you know, where you like go into a haunted house and you play the EM or the, uh, uh, you know, the tape recorders or whatever. And you pick up like voices and shit and that and you had to like piece together some sort of murder mystery that way. You know, thinking about what you just said, this is totally sort of an aside because uh, I'm thinking about uh, immortality again. <laughs> Immortality would be such a cooler game to me, I think, if it was, like, a ghost hunting, like, trash TV, like, reality TV ghost hunting with the same exact sort of setup, where you're, like, combing through behind-the-scenes footage, but there's actually something scary happening in the back. I think that'd be really cool. Like like a fake ghost hunting show with actual ghosts, though? Yeah, like kind of like Resident Evil, what is it, 7? How that kind of opens up with them, like... Doing the sort of oh the uh, the demo ghost hunters did. yeah was that just there, the demo yeah I think well I don't know. there is a game I can't remember what it's what it's called I think you control it's like a ghost hunting like TV show type game I think you control a drone camera and then it, it's almost it's like a second person horror game if anybody anybody out there and podcast land can can remember the title of this game send it into the the patch nets it's a, like a second person horror game uh where you control a remote camera and uh the the sort of events of like a ghost hunting tv show i think take place in this house oh man is it uh wouldn't that make it less scary though with a if you're operating through a camera can't say for sure i don't think i ever played this game i just or, uh, know drone, i should say there's one called Diva, Deva, D-E-V-A. Um, I just did a Google search to see if I, I can find it. I don't know. Um, second Chance, a second-person horror game. Weird. Out of yeah, there's a bunch of things it could be. I guess I'm probably gonna end up going down a rabbit hole over that. What would our game look like? I have no idea. I, I think uh... a bunch of fat, fun, like three fat dudes around the microphone. And scary shit happened in the background. <laughs> uh, it, oh, it's so hard to say. I mean, I have I have a hard time 
like like just cultivating ideas uh, uh, into a, like a cohesive game concept. Like to me, that's a it's a time consuming process. And you were saying like, oh, before we go into a forty five minute uh, you know <laughs> game design talk, but like no, that's step one. That's the right. first thing no, we have I know. to do. <laughs> how, how about how about uh, it's the thirtieth anniversary of the Games I Guess podcast, and it is National Pirate Day, and we decide to do the thirtieth anniversary show on some derelict pirate ship with pirate voices and you know rum and just acting like idiots. But it's haunted, and we slowly sort of realize it, and our our pirate accents slowly <laughs> fade into normal. And then we get scared and shit possessed. happens. Um, yeah. Games, I guess. Embalm, embalm a, the one that dies. A Games, I guess, pirate story coming to a theater near you. It's the next Sea of Thieves DLC. I do love that he complimented us. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no one, no one's done that yet. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> Everyone's insulted us. <laughs> no, no, one's, no one has said, you are my favorite podcast to listen to. Uh, so yeah, that's a big that's a big step. That's MVP status for Tom. Uh, maybe we could look more at this subject um, and come up with a better answer, and then feature whoever the other person was who asked this question uh, at the same time in a later episode. We'll see. Um, this is uh, from David on Linktree, following up about phasmophobia. Hey, thanks for answering my question. I won't continue to bombard you with more phasmophobia questions. Uh, but you still do, kind of. But I do want to ask one final follow-up. Have any of you considered checking out some of the games inspired by Phasmophobia, like Ghost Exile, Ghost Exorcism Incorporated, or Ghost Watchers, just to see if they scratch that ghost hunting itch? Thanks again. This is a very horror, ghosty-themed episode, and it's not on purpose. Halloween's next month, maybe? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> But I've heard of the last two of those, and I think, I don't know if it was one of you guys, or Ryan, maybe, uh, or maybe it was Beard, actually. He might have been playing one of them. But he, uh, but they, someone was telling me that it actually wasn't bad. I just forget which one, if it was the Exorcism or Ghost Watchers, um, that weren't, weren't that bad. And it's not entirely the same as Phasmophobia, either. Like, it's got its own thing going on, so it might be <coughs> worth checking I th out. I think we would absolutely, you know consider checking out other ones i think we like the model you know the phasmo sort of model give um, us review codes so we can get a positive the, review i, I want to play forewarned i think I've, I've told you guys about that that's the egyptian phasma where when you die you come back as a mummy i remember you saying that's, that that sounds incredible <laughs> for whatever reason we tend to um with our horror experiences outside of phasmo we tend to uh go like a different route no i don't think it's really on purpose but we do like the we what did we do ryan got us all friday the 13th right we played that for <laughs> a for a minute um pacify clones right lunch, yeah lunch lady clothes. lunch lady devour, devour. <laughs> lunch lady i forgot about <laughs> don't forget lunch lady bro <laughs> that shit's actually scary yeah. <laughs> i actually had fun with that game i just w i think they added more levels they would have had to so I just felt yeah. like, you I think know, they did. Is... I mean, they're all kind of fun, honestly. Even if it is janky or silly or anything like that, they're, they're... and labyrinthine as well. Um, yeah. And something that most of those games have in common uh, is that they do confrontations with the ghost or the, you know, antagonist. 
uh, they do it better than Phasmo. Yeah. Uh, like the the running for your life thing, hiding, etc. Um, I don't know. I think there might be something to that. But I'm absolutely down for Phasmo-like uh, recommendations. David, if you have some, feel free to send those in. Uh, you can send us things that aren't questions as well, um, even if we don't you know, cover them. Go fuck ourselves. Yeah, we don't have to cover them on the show. If you if you want to send us like game recommendations, game keys, whatever the hell you want, you can send those the same place. Um, but yeah, no, I think we would all absolutely consider checking out some of those games. It's just a matter of usually one or several of us being too broke to justify, and then we need multiple copies, you know, to get the full experience. Uh, but yeah, and uh, I saved the most important question for last. From Wanker. Nice. He says, Oi! <laughs> you gotta Oi. do it in your best accent. <laughs> I can't. Oi, what do you blokes like to eat? Why did I say it like that? <laughs> you can tell a lot about a man from his palate. Name me your dream dishes, and maybe this here leprechaun will grant you a wish. Cheers. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Someone was fucking high off their ass when they sent that in. Was that Revo? <laughs> I don't know. It probably was. I mean, it, dis- it, does- it does say wanker, so. That's a burn for Revo if you ever hear this. And Revo would say, eh, it was an okay burn. It's just okay. What do we like to eat? I mean, I'll be honest. I like to eat a lot of things. Uh, Same. I'm in a taco it's not even a phase. It's like the last couple of years. I love like authentic, delicious, fresh tacos of many kinds. I don't know. It's a boring answer, but I just love them. Like the corn tortillas, the delicious hot sauce. I can't, I can't sit here and talk about it or else I'm going to frustrate myself. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom and <laughs> you know, I've been craving lately. Broke your tongue. My, my <laughs> current dream meal i've been craving crawfish weirdly enough really yeah, that's right? that's a food that actually kind of scares me i've never it, tried i haven't it. had that in a long time i eat lobster and shrimp oh well then you'll then you i think you'll like uh you'll like crawfish you can't, one, you can't there's no I, I don't think you can get any crawfish around here much less good crawfish well, the one thing about crawfish is that you have to like suck it out of their bodies. Like that's it's, what I mean. I, that's not appealing to me. <laughs> that's how I feel about oh, mussels, so like, or not it's mussels, good. oysters. I, I don't get how people eat moist, oysters. Moisters? Moisters? <laughs> that's something. That's something that I say to Sarah all the time. I say I'm moister than an oyster right now. Uh, oysters raw are, are disgusting to me. It's like swallowing a loogie, man. Hey, I mean. Oh man, leave it, leave it to Josh to be asked his dream dish and say what he, he's complaining. Uh, dish that he doesn't like. Well, Josh, what do, what do I, you I, like? I, What's your dream dish, I, Josh? I'm kind of in the same boat as you. There's a bunch of things. Like I have, I have stuff that's more nostalgic for me, like like a tuna casserole. Um, where you know something else would be like a seafood boil. I love seafood boils with some shrimp and mussels and crab and lo- lo- uh, yeah, lobster tails and. All that sort of stuff. I love, like, especially Maryland crabs. Uh, as as annoying as they are to open up, they are delicious. Um, I've been I've been steaming fish lately. Like, I'll take a 
uh, like parchment paper and I'll just put like shallots and garlic and fish and some veggies um, in some parchment paper and just put it in a, a pan and dump some like soy sauce, a little vinegar, water into the bottom of the pan, cover it. And then 10 minutes, it takes 10 minutes and it's all like just perfectly cooked. Um, it's very good. Try it. It's easy. I mean, oh, I don't know oh, how else to, to eat. Yeah, it's it's just making me hungry at this point. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Make my uh, dreams come true, little leprechaun. Yeah, you got DoorDash. You can. Well, no, I'm not giving my out my address. So. Yeah, I'm confused about this. Is he offering to uh to produce foods? Well, What's I'm going on sure. here? I don't know if I would trust it. Honestly, <laughs> I worth a try. Even like at work when people bring in cookies, I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like you might have made that like at the same time as your cat walking around on the table. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're just trying to off you. Like it's yeah. just a. Anyway, I, mean, I, I I hate to break it to you, Josh, but uh, there's probably very very little surface area in my house <laughs> that hasn't had some sort of cat contact. It's more just, about the hair floating around as they walk around the food, and then you know, and then someone's like, <laughs> and they're gonna oh, "You're gonna it. love it when you come to my house next week." <laughs> oh, I, I mean, it's I understand. It's 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 fine. Well, on that hairy note. <laughs> Surprise mechanics. Part of the show that changes every week, uh, this week. It's that segment that Ian created and then we lost because of that dumb episode that didn't work out. It's the Ian's fantastic, incredible, very good guessing game. And to make it even more confusing, Ian's not the one running it this week. Uh, what an introduction. Um, so it's going to be me this week. I have prepared... I guess, does that mean I have to explain how this works? It does. Oh, I mean, I can explain it if it's easier. Yeah, it's your, it's yours, you explain it. Explain yeah, what I'm so, about to do for everybody. <laughs> so it's basically, it's basically a little quiz show. Uh, Casey has assembled a list of games that he believes that we will know of. Uh, and he has also gone through and selected negative Steam reviews of each of those games. He will give us negative Steam reviews of the games, and we have to guess what game he's referring to it's true now when when ian first brought this to the show and we lost it in the original episode four i believe uh he had a, a lot of games i picked three so this could take two minutes or it could take longer who knows um i'm, I'm working my way into it so don't get mad at me um, i'm sure it'll be great it'll be fine I gotta uh, keep the, con the content itself, it's just inherently good. So, you know, you, you, you can't right. screw it up. And it was harder than I thought. Harder than I thought. Well, it's, it's right in the name. It's like Ian's very good, you know. <laughs> we don't even know. Right? Um, okay, so I'm going to read a review and uh, give you a chance to answer. If you don't know off of the first review, I have a second review lined up uh, to, uh, to help Incidentally, well, Casey, you think I'm going to be good at this game. I do not have your confidence. Ah, uh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'll, uh, should I start with easy or start with hard? <laughs> start with easy. It's just tr the traditional way. Okay, okay. Here we go. This game is like being in a fight with your girlfriend. You're mad at her, but you also love her. You're always wondering if you're better off ending things where they are and trying to find something better. Dark Souls. No. Damn. 
<laughs> I feel like you could very literally describe Divorce Simulator. That would probably be a good review in that case. Maybe I'll, um, copy, I'll copy and paste it into the... In, it's like I'll, being in a... I can reread it. This game is yeah. like being in a fight with your girlfriend. You're mad at her, but you also love her. You're always wondering if you're better off ending things where they are and trying to find something better. Hmm. What game would piss you off that much? I mean, is it is it a FromSoft game? No. Okay. This is the one that does... This is the easy one. This is the one that does not have a, a second review to follow it. I would it's follow not. that train of thought, Josh. Mm. What game would piss me off that much? <laughs> this game is like being in a fight with your girlfriend. You're mad at her, but you also love her. You're always is wondering it if you're... Destiny 2? It is, yeah. Nice. It's Destiny 2. I thought Josh <laughs> would have had that, like, bam, right away. <laughs> All I right. thought about it. I thought about it, but I was like, yeah. All right. The next game, um, this one, a little harder. Uh, in this first review, it doesn't, doesn't it, I mean, it could be any game, really, but uh, I'll just read it. I couldn't figure out what this is about. Maybe I'm too dumb for this game. Now, that doesn't say a lot. So I'll just go into oh, the next. Uh, no, I know what that is. It's The Void. It is. How'd you know? I mean, it's got. I I must have read the reviews at some point. I just like it. Just like lodged, or I just, or I just knew <laughs> because it's so <laughs> adequately. It's, it's probably it's probably the best, the the most concise review you're gonna find of that game. That is also probably one hundred percent true. The follow up review I will, I will also read. This was the one I was going to save for if you guys couldn't figure it out. I assumed you would not be able to figure it out based on just that very vague first one. Uh, it says, It is also hard to. Un this is an excerpt now. It's from the middle of the review. It is also hard to understand in play, even for a frequent gamer. There is little explanation of what you're supposed to do, and even that can be confusing. It is easy to make a mistake that you won't realize it's fatal until many levels later. There are some YouTube tutorials and plenty of Steam guides offering good advice so you can still enjoy the game, but you shouldn't have to rely on fan tutorials to understand what you're supposed to do, which is why I regrettably do not recommend the game, regardless of how pretty it is. Regrettably. I think that would have, uh, you, if you didn't get it on the first one, you absolutely should have gotten it on that Yeah. One. So you're, you're looking forward to your playthrough then, I, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> I've made your pause. The uh, well, you're there to guide me, so hopefully it's. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you through. Especially, I, 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 I've said before. I think if you can get sort of past the beginning and get into the flow, right, you'll be good. I didn't have to rely on guides, but I did sink thirty hours into the game, so I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, on to the third and final. Um. Okay. This one, uh. The long ones first, and then the follow-up is shorter. Never buy this piece of shit. It's one big failure, and the devs don't add anything but little things, as being able to get drunk and snort cocaine in the lobby. If you are a parent, make sure your kids don't buy this horrible game, since it only wants to make them write positive reviews by brainwashing them. The main way they try to accomplish this is by forcing and shooting stupid memeable dances at them at all times. Kids will easily meme these dances, and because of this, they Fortnite. have to write. What? It's Fortnite. Nope. No, no Steam reviews for Fortnite. Right, because it's ah, epic. Sucker. 
And because right. of this, they have to write positive reviews because otherwise their brains may explode. The other way is by scaring them to death via gigantic, horrific, and human-eating beasts called Mactaras. Mactaras are demons from hell that will terrorize your kids forever <laughs> as they scream. Hell will be upon you. Hell will be upon you. I have no idea what the fuck a Mactara is. <laughs> that's honestly, that's probably the biggest hint in that whole paragraph. Mactara. I guess, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, devs don't add anything but little things like being able to get drunk and snort cocaine in the lobby. I guess you could. I thought, I thought when you said that, I thought it was going to be Disco Elysium. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the lobby, I'm assuming it's a multiplayer game, right? Like yep, it's yep. A multiplayer oh, I thought they were talking about like, like there's there's a there's a hostel in it's like a main part unless, of uh, unless it's GTA Five like multiplayer. No, I'll read the okay. follow up. Uh, the follow up is, I let my four year old play this game and now he thinks beer is cool. <laughs> oh, it's what? Deep Rock Galactic. Yes. Yeah. Deep Rock oh, Galactic. Oh shit! <laughs> People wrote that about that. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> funny. You can Wait, snort cocaine and yeah, deep rock when did that Yeah, happen? no, that was just some. Uh, oh, let's fire serious. that shit back up. I'm ready to, to re reevaluate my experience. <laughs> okay. Oh, maybe that day the, will come. I love that game. They're coming out with a, uh, a uh, not sausage fest, October Jesus fest uh, theme on there. <laughs> you got something you want to talk about? <laughs> right. It was the. Uh, it was. It was the Lisa recommendation. I've been thinking sausage fest ever since you told me about that. <laughs> That Josh, moisture, moisters and sausage fest. sex dungeons and sausage fest. Jesus, I'm looking mm. forward to our, our get together. That's why. Mm. Oh my god, what's well, uh, weenie, weenie roast in fucking Maryland? It's that time, uh, where we do uh, a hot take, and uh, this week it's my turn. Uh, if you don't know, the hot take is basically we take turns uh, every week. It changes. Uh, we bring a hot take to the show, and we air it for the world to hear. Um, and my... <laughs> oh, God. My hot take this week uh, is that the Nintendo Switch sucks. The last good console that Nintendo made was the Wii U. But people never gave it a chance, and just like they killed our Legend of Zelda games by adopting the Breath of the Wild formula of lifeless, open worlds with characters that refuse to use voiceover dialogue, the 500 boring copy-paste shrines, all with matching wallpaper, that they traded us for the awesome, thematic, unique, and interesting dungeon designs of the past, just like that, and so much more. Nintendo took away our TV home consoles with competitive performance and high-resolution textures, and traded them in for a future of gimmicky, overpriced Kindle fires with bad controllers, deceptive firmware limitations, overpriced peripherals, all proprietary, of course, and terrible quality. The success of the Switch killed the future of home Nintendo consoles for anyone not wanting that clunky handheld experience with the tiny screens and the terrible, ba terrible battery life. The games built for the system don't even run as good as they could on comparable hardware, and everyone clamoring about using the Switch as an indie machine is out of their damn minds. Every indie game on the Nintendo Store is sold at easily a 30% markup, at least. Why is Octopath Traveler still 60 American dollars? Are you people high? And why do I need to wear bifocals to read anything on that screen in handheld mode? Is this a video game for ants? <laughs> 
And don't even get me started on the Money Grab Switch Lite versions that give you an even shittier experience than the standard Switch for a discounted price. The Switch sucks, the handheld gamers deserve better, 3DS or bust, sharpen for president y'all, I'm outie. What do you got? Uh, disagree, Wii U was the worst Nintendo console. That's so the- not true! It is, it was the it's worst. It's the last good console they made. <laughs> the last good console they made was the N6, well, other than the Switch, was the N64. I didn't like the GameCube either. It had a really stupid controller. The Wii U N64 is control was also a fantastic console that nobody bought. <coughs> People say that about the Dreamcast too, and I thought that was... Uh... Dreamcast is also a fantastic console that nobody bought. There's a reason no one bought it. Actually, there... there uh... <laughs> There, there are people who have done entire, like, dissertations on why uh, the Dreamcast uh, failed. Well, I think the Dreamcast uh, is better than the Wii U, by far. You're fucking high. It, it just didn't have... It just There's didn't no have the, chance, the, the, the bro! Have you played Wind Waker on the Wii U? It's the definitive edition. It's, like, the best way to play. You're Legend getting, of Zelda. That's, that's getting into to my, my hot take, so I'll just... I, I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, uh, let me guess. Any, anything, sucks. anything beloved and sacred in video games you don't like, like the Legend oh, yeah. of Zelda. You know me. I'm just a contrarian. I don't. Am like I? Am I wrong? No. Yeah, you're wrong. But you know, I'm not going to get into that with you. It's not the point of this fucking thing. We're supposed to hate each other by the end. <laughs> yeah, but it's not my hot take. So it says, <laughs> it says right here. Hopefully, by the now. end, we'll all hate each other. I already I, hate you. I, it's I, like, I already hate you. Now, says Josh. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like Josh just indicated that he, he was going to shit all over Zelda in his next. Uh... Sure, he he shows his cards early. I think he did the same with Dark Souls. Or it's a misdirect. I hope it, it could is. also be a misdirect. But then it then it raises the question again: uh, <laughs> Why you? Next <laughs> week he's so like easily. Next week he's like the games. I guess podcast sucks. I will. That's I, not a I will say this. <laughs> That's not you, a hot. You take. basically. Uh, <laughs> You basically ran down all of the reasons that I like haven't bought a Switch yet. And I keep saying that I'm going to buy a Switch. But now that Deadly Premonition 2 is on PC, I don't see any reason to buy a Switch anymore. And your uh, your hot take has really uh, yeah, driven that down my priorities list effectively. So, well, well as, done. Soon as, as soon as the Steam Deck came out and it's apparently as good as it is, I don't see a reason to spend the money on a Switch. I will tell you though, I mean, you're not wrong about the the lack of power and the fact that games uh especially old games are still full price that's just nintendo being fucking greedy they they scrimp and, and save money where they can you know they're they find any way to basically ex, you know excommunicate themselves from from the industry not ex, not, not not excommunicate but uh, insulate themselves from from the industry you know they they it took them this long the reason that people are calling it an indie machine is because they just now pretty much are opening up the indies and that's well they did that on the wii a bit too but uh they're really opening up now with the switch and and it's still not in comparison to every other platform it's still not that open to everyone um but for a very for their specific ips they you know they don't make these games that are 
very intensive in the first place. Breath of the Wild is very intensive, and it should run better than it does, and it could if you played it on the Wii U. Well, the graphics are just as boring as the gameplay, but that's another thing. Um, I'm just talking about <laughs> graphics now. Like Graphics are a whole other fucking department. Have you played Final I mean, Fantasy VII? No, don't even answer that. That's another fucking hot take now. <laughs> I can play Final Fantasy VII right now and have a great time, and those characters look like dog buttholes. But it's okay, funny. They were made on. They were made for the for older consoles. That's. But I remember when Final Fantasy VII came out, and my buddy's sister was losing her shit because oh my god, it's gonna be. She's like a big Final Fantasy and anime nerd. Oh my god, like this game was going to be the best-looking fucking game that had ever come out on the fucking PlayStation or whatever. I think it is. At the time, I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's You just say so that for a lot of Final Fantasy games. I remember Final Fantasy X blew my mind graphically. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember I remember when I fought fucking Goldeneye. It was like photorealistic. <laughs> because they put, they, they put photos of people and wrapped around fucking rectangles. Uh, ironically, it's the it's the point and click adventures from that era, you know, because they were all doing pre renders. Those are the ones that really have uh, stood the test of time graphically. Oh man, but, uh, I've I've been outed as a Switch hater. I feel the need to give some disclaimers because I do love a handful of these Nintendo IPs. Uh, Mario Odyssey, um, great game. Breath of the Wild. We'll touch on that again someday, I guess. Uh, this podcast is not exactly Breath of the Wild friendly. Um, <laughs> what's another Switch like? Like I guess Xenoblade Chronicles. That's another game that looks like ass that would look better on any other console. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know. I just don't understand. Uh, everything everything I've ever played on the Switch, I don't see, you know, playing it on another console that it would look any better. I mean, maybe run smoother. I you guess should, if you need to have, when you're here a week from today, huge frame rates. But I will boot yeah. up Xenoblade Chronicles three, and care. we can count the pixels together, and it'll be a really cute. And we'll have a nice time. <laughs> I, uh, I, I will say I do agree with uh, the uh, general distaste for Nintendo's business practices. There's no <laughs> reason to be that proprietary. Either. Do you, do you do you guys remember? I don't even know. This was like so. It blew up in the hangar. So like it, I don't know how much it ever saw the light of day. But on the original Wii, there was going to be, I believe, an M-rated survival horror game set with with like an Eastern European fairy tale setting. It was going to be called Sadness, and it was like a big deal because it was like you know the first like proper grown-up horror game that was going to come out for the Wii. It was like the one thing that got me excited for the week and they shit canned that fucking project <laughs> so hard they, no i don't they Just like they wiped tried, it off the face of history forever they tried that again with the wii u with um with that zombie game i forget what the fuck it's called and it bombed i, what the no hell? Idea I think it was called zombie u actually or something like that isn't zombie u an actual game that has been released and is popular yeah, well, it's not popular. I don't think. I think it was just complete crap. If uh, I remember not, correctly, I but. thought it was like I thought it was a popular co-op game, but maybe I'm thinking of something else. I have no idea, honestly. I um, I mean, it has actually has decent reviews, but I remember playing it in college, and it was garbage to me. But uh, you know, 
Apparently, I'm... I hate everything that's popular. <laughs> so. Apparently, apparently. My do. main takeaway before Josh gets upset is just that I think life was better when we had a TV console that was competitive with all the other TV consoles of that generation, and then we had handheld consoles. There's not been a better, at least I can't speak for the Steam Deck, so, you know, jury's out on that for me, but since the 3D, the 3DS is such a good handheld, um, incredible titles on there, and it plays so nice, and it was, seemed like such a gimmick, and it turned out to be, like, I don't know, I loved it. I just wish that that was Nintendo's future, I guess. Uh, but it won't be. We're going to get the Switch 2 and the Switch 3 and the Switch 4. Um, and it's all going to be gimmicky, hybrid, handheld, dock mode bullshit. And it's never going to run as good as whatever Microsoft and Sony are pumping out. So, a Steam Deck has never looked more uh, attractive to me. Platforms specifically for their IPs, and those IPs don't need to run like, like magic. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I think... I don't know. Their IPs... A lot of the times, you're right, don't need to run like magic. But enough of them run poorly that it makes their hardware limitations inexcusable. Maybe I just haven't experienced it because, like I said, all the games I have are perfectly fine as far as the, how they run. I don't know. You're, so the, you're, the graphic, you're the one who's nutting over graphics over here. I would think you would be the yeah, one who's most me. critical. You're the Most one who brought up graphics! Words. Do I have to quote you? I brought up graphics for one game. I'm just saying, like, I can't just, I can't talk about how you brought up graphics now. I have to quote you word for word now. When you over, when you over state what I'm saying. I don't know. You're the one that had something to say about graphics. That's why I said it. Yeah, I'm nutting over graphics. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're, you're, you're standing for a, uh, oh, for God. the ugliest yeah, console got, out there. I've got, I've got just fucking... <laughs> Nintendo the tattoos on each of your testicles. Just, yeah. You got a butt cheek. in my nipples. With a Nintendo brand burned in deep. <laughs> Little star coin tattoos. As long as it's as long as it's as long as it's 4K or more. You got I'm nipple perfect. tassels that look like mushrooms. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's all me. I'm projecting. Um, you guys want to say anything else before we uh, end this two hour and two minute long episode? Nothing? No. Nothing. <laughs> Ian's like, absolutely not. I'm I mean, we, what, 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 <laughs> I feel like we covered a lot of ground here. Like, we, we, we started did, out yeah. with uh, the discussion. We, we relitigated the uh, last year's <laughs> Game Awards, and now we've, we've <laughs> you know, debated the. The Switch and the Wii U, like, what more did we get a whole bunch of horror shit in the middle? What, what more can you cover in a podcast, really? I mean, you ain't I wrong. I guess we can have another Destiny 2 segment, just a round thing. <laughs> Here we go. Let's start the clock. One hour <laughs> on the clock. Uh, I'm just kidding. Josh, anything else? We're all, we're, you still love me or do you actually hate me now? No. No. <laughs> just not. Okay. You can find everything you need to know about this show at I Guess Games on Twitter. The video version of this show is going to be over on the Wizfish YouTube channel. Go ahead and check that out at youtube.com slash Wizfish. You can send us any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, any ideas for Josh, uh, <laughs> anything at all. Send oh, that way, stuff I hope, to GamesLikeThisPodcast like at gmail.com. 
Don't forget, you can find Josh, and you should find Josh, over on Twitter, at Joshinya, J-A-S-H-I-N-Y-A. Ian's over there as well, at Discreet Infinity, and of course, you can find me at uh, Wizfish on YouTube and the underscore Wizfish on Twitter. Fuck this, I'm out. Assalamualaikum. He's screaming right now. Ha, ha, ha.